0: Chapter eleven of the Mikado Jewel by Fergus Hume. The slipperbox recording is in the public domain. by Chapter eleven Harry's Sweetheart With the arrival of Basil Dane, life became much brighter and more lively at Beckley. The young sailor was active minded and light hearted, so that he was always glad to provide amusement for himself and others he took patricia and mara out sailing in the fairy bay and walked with them across the windy spaces of the moors to view various centres of interest in the evenings having a sweet tenor voice he sang to them while miss Carroll played his accompaniments and of course he had much to tell them about foreign parts no one could possibly be dull while basil was in the house and even the squire left his beloved history of the colpster family to enjoy the breezy humours of his favourite nephew the old house awoke as it were from sleep to enjoy a brief holiday of innocent amusement but although basil was attentive to Mara, since he greatly wished to arouse her from those dreams which set her apart from others he gave patricia most of his company from the moment he had set eyes on her he had been attracted by the beauty of her face now that he knew her better and found that she had a heart of gold he frankly fell in love with such perfections and very wisely for patricia was a rare specimen of her sex she was not on her part averse to his wooing as of all the men she had ever met basil appeared to be the most trustworthy and fascinating it was the old story of love at first sight that miracle at which material-minded people scoff but which is a veritable truth in spite of such scepticism theodore needless to say was not pleased to see the fulfilment of his prophecy he had known the moment basil arrived that something of this silly sort so he phrased it would happen knowing nothing of love himself for his selfishness swallowed up all other qualities in his somewhat narrow nature he had scanty patience with this folly he wished to give patricia entirely to himself because of her rare psychic qualities and to do so was even willing to marry her of course by such an act he would cut himself off from all chance of acquiring the property since it was very evident that the mikado jewel would never be found theodore was certain that it had gone back to japan and there would be no chance of its being stolen a second time this being the case only by marrying his cousin could he secure beckley and carry out his design of forming a school of occultism but this ambition as has before been stated he was willing to surrender provided that he could dominate patricia and her mediumistic powers with those at his disposal he felt that he could do much to forward his selfish desires moreover and this was a factor also in his decision mara disliked him so intensely that she certainly would never marry him but none of theodore's feelings appeared in his looks and manners to reach his ends he had to play a comedy and did so with the skill of a clever actor his face was all smiles his behaviour most deferential and he carefully avoided any possible quarrel with his brother also he did not speak of his occult studies since a discussion of such things was not welcome to others theodore in fact appeared in quite a social role and seconded his brother in promoting a brighter and more active state of things in the old mansion he was clever at conjuring and gave exhibitions in the drawing-room when the girls grew weary of music and conversation and always he was polite and genial so much did he impose upon basil and mara and the squire that they believed theodore had as the saying is turned over a new leaf but patricia did not credit as genuine this too suave demeanour she knew if no one else did that the leopard could not change his spots and what is more that this particular leopard did not wish to beckley was certainly the vale of avilion for in spite of the bad weather prevailing in almost every other county in england this favoured spot preserved more or less a serene calm of course it rained at times but not very long and not very hard as the squire had said, his hay crops at Hendle were completely ruined by the wet, and he anticipated a great loss, which he could ill afford in his straitened circumstances. But the flower gardens round his family seat bloomed in almost constant sunshine. Also, when snows fell, it was now close upon Christmas, and the hard frosts were coming. They spread a mantle of white on the moors above, but did not descend upon Beckley. It is true that, owing to the season many of the trees in that domain were leafless but a goodly number being foreign were evergreen and still clothed themselves in leaves throughout the winter when severe conditions prevailed on the high lands the climate of this little nook by the sea maintained a mildness and warmth little short of miraculous the place might have been situated on the riviera patricia thought that these extraordinary circumstances for an english winter were due to the great red cliff which sheltered the vale during the day it drew in much heat into its breast and breathed it forth at night when the airs grew chilly it was like being warmed by a good-humoured volcano she thought for patricia after the manner of browning always humanized the forces of nature but undoubtedly she was right in her surmise for the solar fire constantly drawn to the cliff and radiated from the cliff created an artificial summer which endured throughout the year beckley was like the garden of eden for climate and fruitfulness and beauty and theodore was the intruding snake but as yet even to herself she did not dare to confess that she was a modern eve to basil's adam or if a passing thought of this nature did cross her mind she blushed and did not dwell on it if she had she would never in her maidenly confusion had been able to meet the eye of her lover yes it had come that far he was her lover of course theodore always on the watch saw that the pair were falling deeply in love daily and savagely felt that he could do nothing to prevent a happy ending to the romance the squire might want basil to marry his cousin but mara merely loved the young man in a sisterly fashion and did not dream of any closer tie colpster was not the man to force his daughter's affections even for the sake of the family so it was probable that if mara refused basil which she assuredly would do if he offered himself and if patricia accepted the young sailor mr colpster would settle the beckley property on his daughter and give up his fancy of re-establishing the family moreover he was now strangely fond of patricia and would be glad to have her for his niece by marriage but what way he could and would theodore saw that his chances of gaining either beckley or miss carroll were very small indeed it was then that he determined to seek out Lee and see what the future had in store for him after mara's warning he had always been haunted by a sense of ever-nearing danger although he could not tell from which quarter it would come granny lee would know however, as she was a clairvoyant and could look into the seeds of time as did Macbeth's weird women. Of course, in this material age, most people contemptuously dismiss such things as hanky-panky, but that did not matter to Theodore. Skeptics might refuse to shape their course by such a vague chart, but he knew positively from experience that, under certain circumstances, the devil could speak truly and if granny lee with her malignant disposition and greedy venom was not the devil who was granny lee therefore was the one to solve riddles and to granny lee theodore went a few days before christmas yet so as to impress upon his uncle that he was going on a harmless and friendly errand the young man sought him out in the seclusion of his library i am going to see asa lee and ask if she has heard anything about harry since his return to england said theodore abruptly you are going to hindle no isa so i have been told is stopping for christmas with her grandmother in that miserable hut on the moors i can go and return in three hours i should like to come with you said the squire alertly i am most anxious to know the whereabouts of harry pentreddle we must question him about the emerald i wonder if he really knows anything i am perfectly certain that he does rejoined theodore positively if he did not he would not have stayed away from isa but i do not advise you to come with me uncle george as there is deep snow on the moors and you are not so young as you were besides i can ask all necessary questions well do so if you can recover the emerald you know what your reward will be said the squire and turned again to decipher an old document which dealt with the adventures of amyas Colster in peru theodore shrugged his big shoulders and departed with a grimace much as he would have liked to secure the emerald if only to inherit beckley which was a kind of Naboth's vineyard in his greedy eyes he felt quite sure that harry pentreddle could tell him little that would be helpful harry undoubtedly had stolen the jewel and had given it to patricia as his mother's emissary but having departed for amsterdam almost immediately he would know nothing of its unexpected loss apparently he did not even know that his mother had been so barbarously murdered if he did know he assuredly would have returned to avenge her in spite of any danger there might be to him from the guardians of the great gem and that danger was now as theodore fully believed a thing of the past the emerald had been recovered so it was only natural to suppose that the priests of the kitsuki temple would leave well alone with these thoughts in his scheming mind theodore well wrapped up in furs mounted the winding road which led to the moors the vast grassy spaces were covered more or less deeply with snow but dane accustomed to the country since his boyhood and possessing great strength made light of the drifts far away on the dazzling expanse brilliantly and blindingly bright in the sunshine he saw the many dark dots which marked the village near the cromlech where mrs lee had her home a glance backward over the cliff showed him the verdant acres of beckley and a flash of color where late flowers still bloomed there was no snow below but only emerald swards and green woods running to the verge of the sapphire bay where the wavelets lipped the curved streak of the yellow sands the contrast between the summer he was leaving and the winter he was going into struck theodore forcibly i wish i could get it all to myself he groaned basil is out of it if he marries patricia carroll and mara hasn't the sense to look after it i may secure it after all but patricia he scowled i don't want her to become basil's wife a speech which showed that Theodore both wished to have his cake and eat it, since he wanted both the girl and the property. However, it was useless to moralize over possibilities, so Dane resolutely struck across the moors and plowed manfully through the drifts. After a mile or so, he came to the high road up which tourists came to view the rocking stone and the Cromley. This was comparatively clear, and he had no further difficulty in gaining his goal swiftly walking and in spite of his great bulk theodore could walk swiftly when he chose he soon arrived at the handful of houses sheltered immediately under the brow of the gently swelling hill or boss which marked the highest point of the moors it was a most unlikely place for a village as there seemed to be no chance of its inhabitants gaining food but they acted as guides to tourists drove them in vehicles from and to "'shepherded droves of export ponies "'and flocks of hardy sheep, "'and, if rumour was true, "'employed much of their spare time "'in poaching. "'The village, Boatwain was its name, "'had not a good reputation "'in general, and amongst its inhabitants "'Granny Lee, in particular, "'had the worst name. "'Theodore soon found "'the tumble-down house in which she lived, "'and at the door came upon "'Isalee, just stepping, "'so she said.' to post a letter. Dane saw his opportunity and took it immediately. You are writing to Harry, he observed, looking at the tall, robust, deep bosomed woman, who always reminded him of Wagnerian heroines, with her fair flaxen hair and Brunhilde aspect. Isa evidently saw no reason to deny the truth. Yes, sir, she replied in a deep contralto voice which boomed like a bell. Is Harry still abroad? yes sir he is stopping at amsterdam hoping to get a ship does he know of his mother's death yes answered isa i told him and sent him the papers what does he say he intends to return here and pray by her grave theodore shrugged his shoulders cynically he had much better avenge her death was his remark he wants to said isa stolidly "'but he says that he can't guess who killed her "'and does not know how to begin. "'He is very sorrowful out over the death, Mr. Dane, "'as he loved his mother.' "'He doesn't seem to be so very sorry,' snapped Theodore sharply, "'or he would return and learn who murdered her. "'I am writing to him to advise him to do so,' said the woman quickly. "'Oh, don't think that Harry is hard, sir. "'He is—he is afraid.' "'Of what?' "'I don't know. He refuses to tell me, sir.' "'Dane knew very well, when she said this, that Patricia's suggestion was a true one. Pentreddle had evidently stolen the jewel and now feared lest he should be assassinated, "'but with the recovery of the jewel by one of the priests, "'and he believed that there was more than one on the hunt, all danger had passed. Isa, he said impressively, "'go back and add a postscript to your letter, telling Harry that there is now no danger.' and that the squire my uncle wishes to see him what about sir asked isa suddenly and with an anxious look he wants to talk to him about mrs pentreddle's death she was our housekeeper you know yes sir and a grand funeral the squire gave her said the woman with a flush. for like all the lower orders she attached great weight to post-mortem ceremonies he has been kind well he wants to be kinder said Theodore, not hesitating to tell a lie in order to gain his ends he has some idea of who killed martha and wishes to talk about it to harry who should avenge his mother's death will you go back and add that to your letter yes sir oh yes sir said the girl eagerly i'm very glad harry will be to hear it as he has been fretting dreadfully over his mother's death but he did not return because of this danger whatever it is do you know sir i can guess answered theodore significantly so you can tell harry that he can come quite safely to england now go and write your letter and say that he is to come back at once the squire wishes to see him at beckley as he has news for him meanwhile i shall speak with your grandmother isa nodded and stepped aside to allow her grand visitor to enter the house although it was scarcely worthy of the name it was rather a hovel and possessed only three rooms, a large one used for all living purposes, and two tiny bedrooms. The old hag, she was nothing else, sat beside a small fire, smoking a short-stemmed clay pipe, and only vouchsafed Dane a grunt when he greeted her. She was about eighty-six years of age, but looked even older, with her wrinkled, copper-colored face and scanty white hair streaming from under a thrum cap her eyes were small black and piercing and full of vivid life for the rest she was hunched up in a basket chair stroking a large black cat and looked a typical witch of james's time perhaps she dressed for the part and lived up to it black cat and all for she made much money in summer by telling fortunes to tourists but undoubtedly her appearance was so old and wicked that she would have tasted of the tar-barrel in stuart days almost without the formality of a trial. Granny Lee was a witch in grain, if ever there was a witch. Good day, said Theodore, sitting down on a chair with no back, while Isa went into an adjoining bedroom to add the postscript to her letter. How do you find yourself this weather, Granny? Mr. Lee, if you please, snarled the old woman, glaring at him in a malignant way and removing the pipe from her almost toothless gums mrs lee then be it mrs brendon lee if you like said dane who had his reasons for keeping her in a good temper how are you how should i be in this damned weather i'm all aches and pains and they dratted rheumatics you shouldn't attend so many Sabbaths, chuckled theodore loosening his fur coat riding a broomstick with no clothes on is dangerous at your age Leave my age alone, Draty, growled the amiable old lady, beginning to cut a fresh bill of tobacco with a clasp knife. As to Sabbaths, I don't believe in em, or I'd have gone long ago, there ain't any now, and I don't believe as there ever was. I don't go to them, but they come to me. Theodore cast a bold look round the miserable room. Are they here now? Granny Lee chuckled in her turn. i don't need to show when you're here mr dane you've brought your lot along with you and the biggest of them is looking over your shoulder at this blessed moment the big man turned his head but of course not being gifted with mediumistic powers could see nothing i wish i could have a look at him he said regretfully what is he just your thought grown big theodore nodded "'Quite comprehendingly. "'Of course, thoughts create beings "'on the astral plane out of the essence. "'What special thoughts?' "'There's lots of them, "'and none of them pleasant,' "'interrupted Mrs. Lee, "'pointing with her pipe-stem. young's greed of what belongs to other folk, "'and he's not a small one. "'Then there's selfishness, "'quite a giant, "'and hatred, "'and lust, "'and ambition, "'and murder.' "'Why, murder?' i haven't murdered anyone said dane quickly and coolly it's in your mind that brother of yours theodore ground his teeth i'd like to strangle him he growled only i might be caught yes i dare say the murder thought is there knowing what he did about occult matters he had not the least doubt but what mrs lee saw his thoughts made visible since she possessed the astral vision what the kilt calls second sight and could behold the unseen ordinary matter-of-fact people would laugh at mrs lee's pretensions but dane knew that they were only too truthful and that she actually saw the hideous offspring of his brain with which his evil passions had surrounded him however he put the delight of conversing generally with this mistress of black magic aside for the moment since at any moment isa might finish writing her postscript and come out it was time to get to business and he did so without delay i feel there is some danger near me he said abruptly and i want you to see what it is granny laid aside her pipe and stretched forth a skinny hand give me the ring you are wearing i must get your condition to see she said Dane pulled off his signet ring and passed it along as he knew that otherwise she could not come into contact with his magnetism mrs lee put it to her wrinkled forehead and closed her beady eyes after a few moments she began to speak slowly listening at times as if some of the viewless things around her were speaking it's danger from above she muttered what danger i can't tell that shell of yours which holds your wicked soul is stretched out as flat as a pancake how does that happen i can't tell but it won't happen if you don't let it come into the house what is it granny listened for a moment a voice says that you're not to know but how can i guard myself if i'm not to know protested theodore in a vexed tone what is the use of warning me unless the remedy suggested? granny shook her weird old head there's innocence against you and them as works for you can't get over get over what the barrier of innocence. Don't ask me more questions, for the mist is hiding all. She handed back his ring. What I get plainly is, don't let it come into the house. But hang it! Raged Theodore. What is it? I can't tell. Drat ye! Said Granny again and resumed her pipe. Theodore gave her a shilling and left the hut more doubtful than ever. His oracle, as an oracle should be, was too mystical for everyday comprehension. End of chapter 11